And as we um, embarked on this journey uh, of differently, first week we talked about seeing things differently. How many of you have situations going on in your life that you wish would change? Am I the only one? There's any situations going on that you would like to see change? Sometimes those don't change at the speed that we would like for them to change, do they? And so we need to learn to see that circumstance and that situation differently from a different perspective. It may not change, but our perspective can change. Then we talked about believing differently last week. We talked about how that there are preconceived ideas from doctrines and even hurts from our past that have caused us, and some of those were lies, and we formed a belief system that when certain things trigger us, our brain literally shuts down any opposing or contrary belief or view, and we become very narrow-minded, and we would have to come to the place where we acknowledge that there may be some things that I need to believe that I've not yet believed. It can change our lives, transform us. To continue in that uh, train of thought and that subject and topic of differently, seeing differently, believing differently, uh, that will lead us as we see things differently and as our belief systems change, then we're going to have to talk differently. Our vocabulary is going to have to change. Uh, I was talking to... um, Shane before the service in the back there some things that we used to believe that God has changed our beliefs in and our vocabulary in that now when we get around some of those that are still in that vein it it really it's just kind of like it's like fingers on a chalkboard to me I'll just be honest with you Uh, not that they're wrong it's just incomplete a lot of times and they and as long as you're going to have that perspective I love you, I'll be your brother, and when we talk about Jesus, we're on the same page. But there's a lot of other things, here's what happens to me. It triggers me with old beliefs, and sometimes I I choke on that. And I have to suppress it because I don't believe that way any longer, and it's transformed my life, and I'm not going to go back. So even sometimes in my language, my wife will remind me, my kids will remind me. I'll listen to a sermon I preached. I'll say, oh, Lord, help me. I have to come back and correct that because I don't believe that way. But it came out of my mouth because I had 37 years of that in me. Okay? I was listening to the Steve Miller band this week. Don't crucify me for that. But one of the songs that the Steve Miller band has out is called Abracadabra. Have you ever heard it? You know what it is? <laughs> Can I tell you what that word means? In It's Aramaic, and it means, I will create as I speak. That's what that word means in Aramaic. It means, I will create as I speak. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> the emphasis here is on the power of words and their ability to shape reality. I'm going to take you through some scriptures today that will give you the basis and the premises of this starting with the Genesis narrative. Because with that Genesis narrative, we, we see a pattern and we see a template as we spoke a few weeks ago of how we should speak 
A more recent debate in theology brings about the theory and the concept that suggests that this word abracadabra actually comes from three Hebrew root words. Let's put them on the screen. Ab, A-B, which means father. Ben, which means son. And Ruach Hagadesh, which means spirit. Aben Rakhadesh, abracadabra, three root words. Now, I'm not trying to be controversial with this word, and I'm not talking about magic. And as I posted this week, I'm not talking new age, new mumbo jumbo. I'm talking new covenant principles and realities. And so if we see the law of first mention, where something is mentioned, where a pattern is set in the beginning, it does not change. God says, I, I change not. So if he created as he spoke, and I have been created in his image and in his likeness, I will create as I speak. I'm trying to show you that throughout history, people have recognized the power of a single word. Look at this formula. Observation, as we see things differently, and conversation, how we speak differently, will lead to transformation. But if you're going to see things the way that you've always seen them and believe things to be as they've always been, then your language will back that up. I'm going to show you that here in a minute too. And so you will never transform. You'll stay where you are, believing what you've believed, seeing the way that you've seen things, and talking the way that you've always talked. And if you're comfortable with that and you're okay with that, this is not a heaven and hell issue. I'm trying to get you to understand that you can enjoy life. And I mean, I love Joe, but he's absolutely right. You can have your best life now. Waiting for that to continue after the grave. A single word has the power to influence the expression of genes that regulate stress and physical physical and emotional stress. So literally, the way you talk affects the genes in your body that can help regulate your stress. Anybody stressful during the hustle and bustle of the holidays? You know, then add a wedding in six or seven months that we're going to have. and Matthew's head popped up. Back. It gets stressful. But I can speak to myself. I believe that I can even speak over you and say things to you that will affect your genes, and I'm going to show you here in a second, it also will affect you on a cellular level that can calm your nerves and bring you into a peace. In 2019, research was done on 17 people. Data was found from the MRIs that were done that pain-related and negative words made the intensity of pain Worse than if neutral language was used. In other words, if I just went in and we just talked naturally and I wasn't thinking, okay, pain's there. But if I begin to speak negatively and I use harsh words and I begin to use pain-related words, that pain intensifies within the patient. Simply by speaking the wrong word can make pain worse for people's lives. That can even be emotional pain. 
people are still dealing with wounds. I said this last week, and I've got to say it again this week because it's, it's, I believe where a lot of people are. We hear all the time, don't dwell in the past. Don't dwell in the past. Don't dwell in the past. True, but you do have to deal with the past. I'm not talking about dwelling on it or dwelling in it, but you do have to deal with it to move on from it and then begin to speak words of affirmation and confirmation to the son and the daughter that you are and not who you used to be. Go with me to Matthew, the 8th chapter. This is the portion of Scripture starting with verse 5 where the centurion seeks out Jesus. A Roman soldier is coming to Jesus and he is seeking out Jesus not for himself, but it's because his servant is ill. It says tremendously being harassed and he has a situation in his life that needs to be healed. And Jesus said, come, I will go and heal him. And the centurion says, no, 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 no. I'm not worthy that you would come to my house. Look at verse 8. But only speak a word. The power of a single word. And my servant will be healed. Then he goes on to explain to Jesus why he believes that one word can change his servant's situation. He says, I have men under me and if I say to those men here's the power of one word go what do they do? they go I I have the power and authority over men that if I say come one word what do they do? they come he knew the power and the authority in a spoken word not only did he believe it he came to Jesus because he knew that it would be done if Jesus would and he, the, the verse goes on to say, I think it's chapter 8, verse 13. And Jesus sent his word, and that servant was healed from that very hour. So it wasn't like he sent the word and waited for the centurion to get home to check it out. The scripture says that as the word was spoken, healing came forth. One word, powerful. Be careful how you speak. Your words are prophetic pronouncements of what your future will look like. Your words can serve you or they can sabotage you. Now, I have found this to be true in my life. And I would rather my words serve me than sabotage me. I've said enough things and believed enough things that led to sabotage in my life that when I realized this principle and I began to change my vocabulary, the way that I saw things, believed things, and spoke things, I've seen things begin to manifest in my life in a different way. And can I tell you that's a whole lot more freeing and enjoying than the way I used to live? Because like I told you last week, trying harder doesn't get you anywhere, but exhausted. Redoubling your efforts does not generate God's grace. It's not my repentance that leads to the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God that leads me to a change of heart and mind that will eventually affect my speech. Words are the foundational units of creation. You will see throughout Genesis 1, God spoke and things manifested. How did they manifest? They manifested in the way that He saw them and believed them to be before He spoke them. He saw the world, matter of fact, I just got a goosebump. 
He saw you and me before the foundations of the world. That's what the Scripture says. I'm not giving you something. That I'm just, that's what the Scripture says, that before He spoke the words for the worlds to be formed and the universes to come into existence, He saw you. He knew you. Jeremiah says that even when he was in his mother's womb, that God knew him, had a plan for him. Change how you talk if you want to change something different to manifest in your life. In other words, write this one down, the declaration of your lips will determine the direction of your life. What are you declaring? What are you believing first that causes you to declare what you declare? As God's child, I like this part right here, it is hypocritical of you and I to speak about our own lives outside of the goodness of God. See, we've got this idea of being a hypocrite is, oh, I should be doing this, and because I'm not doing this, and I come to church and I act like I didn't do that, that's being a hypocrite. No, being hypocritical is acting, thinking, believing, and speaking about your own life outside of the goodness of God. That's not who you are. Let me give you an example. Numbers, the 14th chapter. If you look at chapter 13 and 14, I'm not going to read it. If you are familiar with it, it's the 12 spies that Israel sends over into the promised land that God has already promised them that it is theirs. And they didn't mix faith with it because if they'd have just mixed their faith with it, as Hebrews 4 says, they'd have just walked right on into the promised land. Didn't mean there weren't going to be snakes in the garden and giants to fight, but he said he would drive them out. So you're in this world, but you're not of this world, and you've got to change your mindset that the world is someplace that uh, you have to go into. Don't let it affect you. You start affecting it. Bring the kingdom into every area of your life and leave behind the residue of the kingdom. Dr. Bruce Lipton, let me go back. Numbers, 10 of them came back with a report that they weren't able to do it, the giants were too big, we're grasshoppers, that's how they saw themselves. They believed that way, so they spoke it that way. We shall surely die. And at the end of chapter 14, God says... Just as you have spoken, it shall be to you. And all of the people that were connected with those ten spies over the next 40 years, God, they, they just wiped themselves out. They, they faded from the scene because there was no faith mixed with it. I'll come back to the other two here in just a minute. But Dr. Bruce Lipton is a cellular biologist who researched spoken words and their impacts on your cells in your body. I feel some resistance that I've been talking some science to you the last several weeks. Science doesn't prove the Bible. The Bible proves science. And God made you. And He knows everything about your genealogical makeup, all of your cells, and He is uh, concerned about all that and how you view it. And so when research is done like this and we can make ourselves aware of it, in his study he found that when cells were exposed to positive words, they responded by growing and multiplying at a faster rate. 
even to the point that some cells would heal themselves. Words affect you on a cellular level. This, this is research that's been done that will help you if you'll begin to change the way you talk. It's good for your body, it's good for your soul, it's good for your spirit. The Bible's filled with examples of people confessing, declaring what they believe, and then seeing it manifest. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.13, We believe, therefore we speak. I believe that it, there's an order to that. I, I believe that as we see things differently, then it will help us change the way that we believe in, in a deep way. And so as those beliefs change, then we can speak differently. Just to say certain things doesn't manifest those things if you don't believe them. Now, truth is truth whether you believe it or confess it or not. It doesn't make something true just because, oh yeah, I believe that. No, it's true whether you believe it or not. The finished work is a truth. Whether you believe it or not, the work that Jesus did at the cross is a finished work that provided salvation, healing. It's the sozo life. It's everything that you needed for life and all of the enjoyment of life. When you speak differently, you literally rewire your synaptic paths in your brain and then you automatically begin to think differently. So now when this certain situation comes up that used to trigger you to an old mindset because you believe differently, you see differently, and you've been speaking differently about that, your brain has rewired its synaptic path so it doesn't take you back there. That, that road has been cut off and it leads you in a different direction now. Here's what Jesus did when it comes to this topic. He spoke to it, not about it. Jesus spoke to the wind. He spoke to, he spoke to the fig tree. He spoke to disease. He didn't speak about it. He didn't come to the disciples and say, did you see that fig tree? I wonder why that fig tree's not blossoming. I, that thing should be having blooms on it. No, he didn't talk about it. He talked to it. He didn't go over to Peter on the, in the boat and say, Pete, why do you think these waves and these winds are so... You know, the northeastern must be blowing through here this week. And we've just got... He didn't speak about it. He spoke to it. He didn't talk about disease, heart disease or kidney disease or diabetes. He spoke to it. Proverbs 18.21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Jesus employed words to cause things to happen. You and I have the ability to employ words and the, a rightly spoken word can transform and manifest things not only in your own life but in the life of other people. What are you speaking to that situation? It might just be time to learn to figure out what to say. Some of us have been on this journey for quite a long time and we still haven't yet figured out what to say. I believe that God is speaking to us and He wants to tell us. I'm going to get to that. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith, now this is the Amplified, that is an inherent trust 
and an enduring confidence in the power, the wisdom, and here it is, the goodness of God, we understand that the worlds, the universes, and the ages were framed and created, formed, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose. By what? The Word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that were visible. God knew abracadabra. I will create as I speak. World, over the last several years, world events have been revealing people's hearts. If we look back over a pandemic, if we look back over uh, political situations, and if we look back over war that's going on now in the Middle East, it's revealing a lot of people's hearts. But can I tell you what else reveals your heart? Your words. Matthew's Gospel, the 12th chapter, verse 34, says that it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. If I'm around you very long, I'm going to find out what you believe, how you think about certain situations, how you think about people, because it will, it will eventually come out of your mouth. How you believe about the Mountaineers, what you think about the Dallas Cowboys, it's going to come out of your mouth, Scott. We have an ongoing dialogue about the Cowboys and the Steelers here. But words will either build you up or tear you down. Beat you up. 85% of all bullying is verbal. Now, included in that 85% of verbal abuse is keyboard warriors on social media that spew out hate. Can I tell you where I, this is my own personal opinion, I believe that one of the most um, prevalent situations of verbal abuse and bullying happens on Sunday morning in pulpits in America. It's just me. Because words can hurt or words can heal. Words can speak a blessing or a curse. Numbers, the 22nd chapter, verse 20, Balak sins for Balaam, and he wants Balaam to curse the children of God. The scripture says twice he goes out to curse the children of God, and God will not allow him to curse what he has blessed. Can I tell you that you are blessed? Can I tell you you've been blessed beyond measure? That Jesus says that you were blessed, and that from the beginning... God bent down in an act of adoration and blessed His creation and every part of it was good but when it got to man He said it was very good. So He has blessed you and you are very good in His eyes and no one can curse you. I mean, if you believe that, I'm just going to tell you you're wrong. This is under the old covenant and God would not allow someone to curse his children. And now do you think after the blood of his son was shed that he is going to let anyone curse what he has blessed? Now you can think you are cursed. You can speak words as if you were cursed. But I can't curse what God has blessed. It's a fundamental principle. But then in the third attempt, God finally says in verse 20 of 22 of Numbers, go ahead and go. 
but only the word I speak to you shall you speak. In other words, if God hadn't said it, I shouldn't say it. If God has said it, I want to declare it. And that comes out of His goodness, and if His goodness is what I'm seeing towards myself and towards you, then only should speak the goodness of God over your life. That doesn't mean we don't warn people. Goodness gracious, if I see a bus full of kids going down the road and I know the road is closed down and they're barreling full speed ahead and I don't warn them, there's, there's things that we do to warn people that are having destructive behavior. But Numbers 23 verse 5 sums it up for me, for Balaam it says, Then the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth. So he never spoke. Jesus comes along and what does he say? I only say what the Father tells me to say. So the Lord will put a word in your mouth that when that word is spoken, it will bring about a manifestation of transformation in your life and the life of other people. It will bring clarity and not confusion. I, I get concerned when the church is called spreading more gossip than they are gospel. The good news don't allow your words to become self-fulfilling prophecies. Your future is not determined by what other people say. Your future is determined by what God says to you, and then you speak the words that He has put in your mouth. The kingdom of God is voice activated. You know that? This device is pre-programmed. It has all types of different things in it. As I speak to it and give it commands, it will perform. The kingdom of God is pre-programmed with predetermined outcomes that have been determined because of what Jesus did at the cross. But it is amazing that as we as believers aren't speaking those things forth. I can say, hey Siri, call Matthew. It did what I told it to do. How did that happen? I spoke what it was already programmed to do. In the kingdom of God, healing has already been taken care of. Bought and paid for by the stripes of Jesus. Deliverance has already been bought and paid for. Manifestation of whatever is needed, everything that pertains to life, if it pertains to living life in the here and now, God has already provided a, for us through what Jesus did. But if we don't see it that way, then we won't believe it. And if we don't see it and believe it, that's why we're not speaking it. But if we can observe what He has done in the... See, it's that 2 Corinthians 4th chapter where there are things above the line that are eternal but they're invisible. But it's the visible that is temporary. And so we have authority to see into that invisible realm because that's eternal and that's what's really real. And we speak those things into existence in the temporal, in the natural, in the visible realm. How do we do that? Our voice we bring the pre-programmed outcomes of the kingdom of God into operation and activity by the words that we speak. Let me give you an example. Mark the 11th chapter. Verse 23. 
Now this is Jesus speaking. And he says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, whoever does what? Says to this mountain. Now, there are a lot of truths about this scripture. I could go and I could preach on what that mountain is. I could take you over to Zechariah. Who are you, great mountain? And how does that mountain come down? I believe it's the mountain of the law, Sinai, where grace, grace is spoken over that mountain and that mountain of the law is cast away. That's one way to look at it. But in this particular incidence, I would want to tell you that I believe the mountain is any obstacle that stands in your way from accessing anything that is available to you in the kingdom of God and the momentum of the kingdom of God moving forward in your life whether that's a thought, whether that's a stronghold, whether that's something that you have demonized and it has taken hold of your life, whether that's something that you have been taught that has held you back. I don't know what that mountain might be for you, but all of us come up to obstacles in our lives that can be removed by simply seeing it differently, believing that it can be removed, and speaking to that mountain and saying, get out of my way. Because you are impeding the progress of what God wants in my life. Assuredly, I say, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart. Why, why does he say not doubt in his heart? Because it's out of the heart that the mouth speaks. Because if you don't believe it here, it's not going to come out of your mouth. But believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. It is already, would you say that with me? It's mine. I already have it. So what needs to change is our awareness of those things. So that's why I'm bringing it to your attention so you can become more aware of it. Prophetic declaration set direction. Prophetic people build their lives with decisions, determinations, and decrees. Prophetic people make decisions, they have a determination, and then they declare because it's already theirs. They've seen it in the supernatural before it's manifested in the natural. Where do we see that? In the imagination. The imagination, your ima imagination is the womb of your miracle. What are you decreeing? Jennifer, would you come? I... And... I've, I know I've said through this series a lot of times that I grew up in a culture. And when I say that, I'm not, it's my journey, okay? I'm not trying to put anything down. I would not be where I am today had I not had the teaching that I had growing up. That teaching and that foundation was Jesus. I have a great determination to hang in there, not to quit, not to give up. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps, walk, you know. If you're going to fall, fall for it. I've been encouraged. I've been motivated. But it, within that culture, the things that I took from that culture that derailed and deterred me and slowed me down from a lot of the blessings that I began to experience in my 40s was from teaching that I had that which one of led me to constantly begging and pleading. I would make a decision in my life and not always the right decision. Anybody ever made a wrong decision? That would take me down a path 
that in that culture taught me that I had to redouble my efforts to get God's graces back on my life. And a lot of that redoubling my effort caused me to spend time in God's Word. Not, nothing wrong with that, but I was doing it as a requirement, not out of the love to find something fresh and a new revelation about who I was in Christ. Then that would lead me to time on my needs where I was in a desperate situation. And man, the louder I prayed and the harder I hit the ground and the more tears I shed in begging and pleading because you know God's deaf. We got to wake Him up. And please, I have to say this too. I know that there are situations that come up in our life where things happen and we are desperate. God's not mad at you if you do those things. But if you continue this cycle of begging and pleading and pounding the ground to get God's attention, it's going to drive you crazy. So I learned to declare and decree instead of beg and plead. And out of declaring things that were already true in God's Word, things began to manifest. Do you know that even in my begging and pleading that God was gracious to me and brought answers? He blessed me. He took care of things because that's His nature. But it wasn't because I hit the ground and prayed for three hours and begged Him to do something. It's because of His goodness that He did those things for me. That's overwhelming sometimes that He would love me that much. But when I started seeing my life differently, when I started believing things differently, and I began to declare and decree, and things would begin to manifest in a rapid manner. Things would begin to happen instantly. It's important for us to get a hold of declaring and decreeing. James, the third chapter, says that the tongue is like a rudder on the ship. It's such a small member, yet it directs the whole course of the entire ship. So here's where I want us to land. Christ conscious confessions. Christ conscious confessions are where we are aware of what Christ has done for us. Who Christ is in our life. And we proclaim his promises and we profess or we confess his provisions then you let your voice announce your victory. Would you just stand to your feet for a minute? I think this is kind of funny, but it's true. Climate control was still part of the debates for the political parties. I just hear about it all the time. It's a conversation in our office at work. Climate control. Now I'm going to use that as a pun. You can control your climate by the words that you speak. Your, your, your climate being the environment of where you are in your home, in your workplace, out in the world, you can control that climate by the words that you speak. They're words of faith. They're declarations by the authority and the power that God has given you as sons. Can I just give you a couple of them that you might want to think about and then ask the Holy Spirit to give you a few confessions that you can start Christ-conscious confessions that you can make every day out loud. I am the expression of the Divine One who possesses the creative ability to change my life. 
How does He change my through the? I am that expression of the divine one. I like nothing, but already have everything I need to live the life I was created to know and enjoy. Start saying that out loud. If you'll say that out every every day, you you will begin to change your environment, your climate. Something like the changes I've wanted to see in my life are done. It's a finished work. I only need to adjust my awareness to see what is real now. The reality of the kingdom, heaven on earth. Maybe Colossians tells us, let your conversations be pleasing to the hearer in such a way that when they walk away, all they've heard is grace. I think one translation says, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Another translation says, don't use filthy vocabulary. And see, we, we want to take that in a direction about cursing and curses. The way that you speak to other people should leave them in such a way that all they heard was the goodness of God. That's what grace is. Grace is the goodness of God. So if you've walked away from me in a conversation and you've not heard about the goodness of God, shame on me, I need to change my vocabulary. I need to change the way that I believe about myself and probably about God because if I have a wrong view about God then I'm going to inherently have a wrong view about myself that then I'm going to portray on you. So let us change the way that we speak based upon how we've seen things differently and how we're believing things differently. I try every week at the end of this service to make a declaration over you that leaves you in the place of knowing that God's blessed you. He's given you everything that pertains to life. He's given you peace. and You can walk in that peace. But you need to start making those declarations over your own life. Father, right now we just ask Holy Spirit to begin to speak to our hearts and our minds. Show us areas that we need to see differently, believe differently, how we need to change our words so that they will align with your words about us and to us. Plant in us now activation you've already planted within us the activation mechanism of our voice to activate the kingdom of God so that it becomes a reality to us and that we see it for what it really is and then we begin to declare it so because of that this morning I declare over you healing it's a finished work right now if you just need healing in your body would you lift your hands any physical problem that's going on right now you desire the manifestation of that healing would you just begin to imagine it right now would you picture that in your mind that you are whole, well and healed what does that look like to you I declare that as you see it be it unto you according to your faith this morning and receive that the blind man that walked in because they believed they could have what they wanted, Jesus said, do you believe? They said, we believe. He said, be it unto you according to your faith. Behold, be well, be healed. The manifestation of healing take place in your body right now. We're declaring it. We're decreeing it. 
the Father showed Jesus and he did it while he was on the planet we are now declaring over you we're not begging and pleading because of something that he's already done we just declare and decree it stress worry anxiety emotional upheaval if you're sensing that and experiencing that in any way shape or form would you just put your hands on your head right now and just declare peace of mind sound mind right now Jesus name the mind of Christ that's what I speak and declare over you the chastisement of your peace was upon him he took the crown of thorns and he bled from his brow so that you could have a sound mind we speak and declare all of this anxiety and this worry to leave bring rest to the mind so that the body can rest I believe that it starts in the mind and as you begin to believe that you're whole, well, and healed in your mind, it will automatically affect your physical health. Now just put your hand on your heart, everybody, and thank. just begin to thank the Lord for a changed life. You're a brand new creation in Christ. Because of the blood of the cross, you've been made brand new. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become brand new. Not remodeled, not redone, not refurbished, brand new. You have a new heart that's pliable and teachable and flexible. Your spirit man is whole, well, and healed. Your spirit man is loved, accepted. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.